Welcome to the Knox Podcast, featuring a sermon from the pulpit of the Knox Evangelical Presbyterian Church, located in Kenmore, New York. Because of a travel ban due to the ongoing winter storm in western New York, Pastor Justin and Benji shared a special message today, taken from 2 Kings, chapter 6, verse 24, through chapter 7. Here, the Israelites were under siege from the Samarians, and a severe famine had broken out in Jerusalem, where the people were resorting to cannibalism to stay alive. Even here, God answered through his prophet Elisha with a promise, and a unique solution for their problem. Pastor Justin reminds us that, even when we despair, God is listening, and will act in his time to help us by either solving our problem, or granting us his grace to get through those times. Uh, this feels like it's we just were here, right? A year ago, uh, we had another snow event, another Sunday we were at home, and now we're back together uh, doing this remotely. So I'm sorry, I'll miss being with everybody this morning, as I'm sure uh, we are all missing being together, but uh, at least we're able to do this. So uh, Benji's going to open us in a quick word of prayer, and we're going to talk some scripture this morning, all right? So let's, uh, let's bow and go to our God this morning. Dear Lord, thank you for another wonderful week. Lord, please help us to have a good week today and this week. And please help those who are sick to heal and be better. And for everybody who doesn't know you to read the Bible more and start bringing themselves into your life. And please help the snow to clear off the driveways so people can have a clear path to go through and back safely. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been going through a series on Luke uh, in our Sunday morning sermon series, and we're going to take a break from that just this week. It's a different week. It's a different kind of, uh, it calls for a different kind of message, right? So let's go back to the Old Testament today. And if you've got your Bibles at home, I'm going to ask you to open up to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. When's the last time you read First Kings or Second Kings, they are amazing books. There's a lot of action, a lot of crazy stories, uh, real stories, but I mean crazy events, things that happen that are uh, tremendous. And one of the threads that you see through all of this is God working and uh, bringing his message to the people through the prophets. And by the time we get to Second Kings chapter 6, his key prophet in the land is Elisha. Remember that Elisha took over from Elijah when Elijah was taken up to heaven. Elisha was kind of his protege and took over the, the uh, prophet ministry in the country. So we're going to look, we're going to start here, uh, chapter 6, verse 24. It's, this is an interesting passage. It really caught my attention because it is funny, darkly funny, but it is also very, uh, there's a lot of tragedy here. And there's some really good direction here for how we as God's people respond when life is turned upside down. When you have personal tragedy in your life, when uh, the news and circumstances seem to be spiraling out of control, when you look ahead and, and you're making predictions, as a lot of people are for 2024, saying it's going to be this way, this horrible thing will happen, this terrible thing will happen, and there's this feeling of despair. Uh, what, what can God do? What can the people do? Uh, maybe we just are all like spiraling down. Well, this is a really good passage for this because this looks at one of the darkest chapters of Israel's history and sees how a good God is working through it. 
So let's look at that real quick. Starting in verse 24, it says, Sometime later, Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, mobilized his entire army and marched up and laid siege to Samaria. There was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver and a quarter of cab of seed pods for five shekels. We'll stop right there. Just uh, He's trying to underscore how bad this famine is. Back in those days, uh, you know, even through medieval uh, history, when there was a siege around a city, this was a, a very cheap way to kind of starve out the defenders. You don't want to risk a frontal assault with your troops, and you know you lose tons and tons of soldiers trying to breach walls when you can just camp around the city for a long time, deny them food until they die or they surrender. And so that's what's happening here. And he's kind of skipping us forward in time and saying they've been doing this for this has been going on for so long, and it's been so terrible that the head of a donkey, which is an unclean animal, they weren't allowed to eat it, but they were so starving that the head of a donkey would go for 80 shekels of silver. That's a, a tremendous. Let's just keep that in mind. A, a shekel of silver, that's a, that's a good amount of money. And so 80 shekels of silver, that's, that's a huge, uh, huge price. And so we see in verse 26, as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried to him, Help me, my lord, the king. The king replied, If the Lord does not help you, where can I get help from, for you? From the threshing floor? From the wine press? Then he asked her, What's the matter? And she goes on for a little bit but uh, and says that they're so starving, they're resorting, the, the city is resorting to cannibalism. They're eating their people. And this is, this is the tragedy here of this passage, where the, the famine is so extreme, and the people are crying out for help. And the king here feels completely helpless. He says to this woman, he's supposed to be her liege, and he says, I can't do anything for you. And I think that right there is, is the first part of this lesson for us, is so very often, usually sooner rather than later, we come to the end of our ability to control things. We come to the end of our ability to, to influence and have power over stuff. And so quickly we find out that there are, there are just forces in this world that are beyond us. How can I influence X, Y, or Z? I can't. I find myself at the end of that. What should, where should I go at that point? That's the, that's the key question. Where does the king go? Well, after he hears about the cannibalism and everything horrible happening in the city, verse 30, when the king heard the woman's words, he tore his robes. This is a, a sign of extreme grief. As he went along the wall, the people looked up and they saw that under his robes he had sackcloth on his body. It's another uh, physical sign of mourning. And he said, May God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if the head of Elisha remains on his shoulders today. So what is the king doing? The king's grieving. He has already given up on the situation. He feels like they're all going to die. He has no power. And he says, Well, the one thing I can do is kill God's prophet. God has just abandoned us in this moment. I'm going to take out his prophet. I'm going to murder the voice piece of God. Okay? That's one way to deal with our grief. It's to turn our anger against God. And to turn our despair against God. And say, God, where are you? I'm so angry at you that if I could wrap my arms or my hands around you, I'd kill you. And I know that sounds extreme, but that's what the king's saying here. And just sometimes in our grief and sometimes in our anger, we want to focus that toward God. 
But instead, what should we be doing? Well, let's look at some other responses to this horrible famine that's going on. Verse 32. Now Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him. And the king sent a messenger ahead. But before he arrived, Elisha said to the elders, Don't you see how this murderer is sending somebody to cut off my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold it against him. Is not the sound of his master's footsteps behind him. When he was still talking to them, the messenger came down to them. The king said, this disaster is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Now I want to again pause here and look at a couple things. The king is turning his anger against God. But what are the elders of the city doing? They've gone to the prophet. They're actually doing the right thing. They've gone to listen to what God is going to say through the prophet. They're sitting at Elisha's feet, waiting for God's word. They're in the right spot. And Elisha says to them, you know, hold this door closed. Don't let, don't let the murderer come in to kill me. Uh, God's going to talk. God's going to say something. And the king's pounding on the door. He says, God did this to all of us. Why should I wait for God to say anything else? Again and again in the Bible, God asks, we see that God asks his people to wait, to wait upon him, to wait upon his response. And that is one of the hardest things for us to do when we are in the midst of grief or disaster or despair. When we want a situation resolved today and right now and on my timetable, God says, wait. The king doesn't want to wait. The elders are waiting. All right, let's see how this resolves. Chapter 7 starts out here. Elisha said, ah, God has just talked. So God talks to Elisha. He, Elisha replied, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow, a sea of the finest flour will sell for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gates of Samaria. He says, by this time tomorrow, there's going to be so much food that they're going to be selling it at Aldi prices. They're going to be selling it at Costco price. They're, they won't be able to give this stuff away. There's going to be so much food. The people, they are starving. They're emaciated. They are hearing their stomachs burn with hunger. And Elisha is yelling through the door, By this time tomorrow, king, you're going to have so much food you won't know what to do with. Now look at the response of the officer on watch. This is... This is Kind of darkly funny. There's some dark humor in the Bible, and this is one of them. The officer who's, on whose arm the king was leaning. So the king has his officer right there. The officer presumably was going to be the guy to cut off Elisha's head. The officer cried out to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open up the floodgates of heavens, or some of your Bible says, even if God would open up a window from heaven, could this even happen? God opened up a window and started throwing food out of heaven to us. I don't think that would even happen. It wouldn't even work. So there's this extreme doubt. God has spoken through his prophet. The, the elders are listening to it. The king is angry. And the, the officer here, he's like, there's no way. Look at the situation. He is overwhelmed. He's like, I've been around this town. I've seen the starving people. I've seen the horrible conditions that are going on. God couldn't even solve this. And I think that is a very common response in our hearts, even as Christians, that sometimes we look at a situation, we look at a person even, and we say, there's no way that person could ever become a Christian. There's no way God could come into this situation and resolve it. 
There's no way God could save this. God could do that. We put limits on God. We tell God to his face. Even if you open up the windows to heaven, you can do this. You are powerless in this situation. That is arrogance. It is doubt. And it is disbelief. And it is something we need to caution ourselves against by looking back at how God has been faithful in the past and how he promises to be faithful in the future. And to remember that God often responds in very unexpected ways. So how does God take this, this famine, this situation that's been going on in, in Samaria, and how does he completely flip it around? Remember, Elisha just said, there's going to be so much food by the next day that it's going to go for very, very cheap prices. All right. Well, Elisha says to this officer, you will see it with your own eyes, but you're not going to eat a single bit of it. Okay, how's that going to happen? There's a long passage that follows, and I'll just kind of sum this up because it is kind of lengthy. So what happens next is that there are, outside the city, we, we are taken right outside the gates where there are four lepers. The lepers, the diseased people, are not allowed inside the city. So they're kind of really caught between a rock and a hard place. They're not allowed inside the safety of the city, but they're also between the, the city and this army, so they can't escape. So they've just kind of been sitting there and hoping that they can you know, outlast the army or something. But they wake up that day and they look around and it's eerily quiet in the enemy camp. Every day that they've woken up, they've heard the noise of the people and the animals and they've seen activity. And today it is just deathly quiet, deathly still. And so the, the lepers go, we don't have anything to lose. Let's go check it out. And so they, they walk up to the camp and they, they, they cautiously look in, inside the first tent and there's nobody there. And the second tent and there's nobody there. And the third tent and there's nobody there. What's happened is God, in the middle of the night, sent the noises of chariots and armies, put the terror in the hearts of, the, of, the, um, of this army here, and they left. They just up and left in the middle of the night. They were so scared and they just left, but they left everything and so these four lepers go out and they're like we're rich we're seeing more money than we've ever seen in our lives we've got more food than we've ever gotten in our lives they're gorging their stomachs they the the, the scripture says they they took a haul of of the loot for themselves and then went back to to hide even more of it but then they get to a point they say you know what this isn't right uh, verse 9 they said what we're doing is not right this is a day of good news that we're keeping to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. So let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. And so they do. They go, they go into the, the pound on the doors. They say, we got to talk to the king. This, the bad guys are gone. They've left everything. We're saved. And so they open up the gates. And the first person out is the officer of the watch. Remember the guy who, who doubted? Uh, who doubted Elisha, who doubted the word of God. And with his own eyes, as Elisha says, he sees the empty camp. And then right from behind him comes the crowd. And the crowd tramples him to death. Okay, I shouldn't laugh at that. It is kind of weirdly, darkly funny. Uh, but at the same time, you don't mock God. And you don't mock his ability and what he can do. And the, so the people go out and they gather in all this food. And just as Elisha, or God had said through Elisha, they were suddenly selling food at discount prices. They had more food than they could eat. In the span of one day, their entire situation had been reversed. 
And we see that again and again in the Bible, right? We see that in the Red Sea, where the Israelites thought, well, this is it. We've got the army, we've got the sea, we're trapped, we're going to die. And God, in the span of one day, parts the waters, brings them across on dry land. What about on Easter Sunday, on that weekend, where all the disciples thought, this is it. Our, our, our rabbi is dead, our, our Christ is dead, we have no hope, we're going to be the ones hunted down next. This new movement is now, is now gone, it's, nobody's going to follow Christ any longer. And in the span of one day, he is risen, and he brings us his gospel. Don't ever, don't ever underestimate the power of God and how he can reverse situations, how he can answer prayer. And sometimes, yes, when we're praying and we're praying and we're praying, we feel like God's not listening or God's not responding, but he's getting ready to respond in the right time in the right way. And that's something we just need to hold on to today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know if you have despair in your life right now or if you have a situation going on in your life that's been horrible and it's been going on for a long time. But hold on to these words from Elisha. Hold on to this, this story that is meant to teach us a very important truth about God. God hears you, God will respond, and God can do amazing things. So that's our scripture for today. I hope that was encouraging for you. I think it's encouraging for myself as well. I need to hear these words because so often we look at the world world, and we look at situations like, hey, the boiler died in our, our church and we were despairing over that. And then God provided a way for us to have heat again. Natural, I mean, of course, we're not in the building that has heat right now, but still, God addressed that situation. He answered our prayer. Let's not forget all the amazing ways God responds to us. And God protects his people and he works through all things. So that's all we've got for today. Let's close in a, a time of prayer. And I'll, I'll let you enjoy the rest of your Sabbath day. Use it for rest. Use it for, for talking with God. Use it for uh, being with your family. Stay safe and stay warm. But let me pray for you right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask that your hand... A blessing, hand of encouragement, and your hand of power be upon your people today. Lord, even as we come to the end of our ability and the end of uh, what we can control, Lord, we know that beyond that and through all things is you. Lord, you have control. You are our sovereign God, who even through the defeats of the world and the death and the pain and the suffering bring about good. And we know that you will turn all things to your purpose. Lord, help us to believe that. Help us to hold on to you. Help us to rejoice when you give us grace and when you give us mercy, when you answer prayers. Help us to always be those, the other lepers we read about in the New Testament, the one that goes back and gives thanks, gives proper thanks for your response and your miracles. Help us to love you today. Please keep us all safe, Lord. As we, as we clear off our driveways, as we get back to, uh, to, to going about in town tomorrow, I pray that you would work through our hearts, work through our lives to bring you glory through the ways that we can sacrifice, we can share, we can love, we can testify, we can forgive as we have been forgiven. I pray all these things in your name, the name of one who is more holy than we can possibly know knowing that, Lord, you are so good that you are already ahead of us. Just as you were ahead of the people around the time of Elisha, you were already working in that situation. We know you're working right now through Knox Church, through Kenmore, through Tonawanda, through Buffalo. 
Lord, we ask that you work powerfully for the gospel. In your name, amen. Have a great Sunday. I'll see you guys next week. Uh, be safe. Be warm. You know, uh, there's some team we're rooting for tomorrow. I don't know, but maybe maybe we should say, "Hey, go Bills!" All right. Have a great Sunday. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. You can listen to other sermons on our website at knoxepc.com/sermons. To reach out to Knox Church or request prayer. Send an email to pastor at knoxepc.com or send a text to our prayer hotline at 833-240-1824, that number to text prayer requests to again is 833-240-1824. Please include the word pray in your request. You may write to us at Knox Church, 2595 Elmwood Avenue, Kenmore, New York 14217. Our YouTube channel can be found at youtube.com forward slash at Knox EPC. Thank you again for joining us.